thank you for joining me. All right, we're going to cover some more WNBA action covering weeks six and seven. And, oh boy, there have definitely been some shockers, some shakeups, and some shenanigans that I, I feel I need to comment on. But first, I just want to take a moment, in all seriousness, to say rest in peace to Coach Pet Summit. Now, even if you are the most casual sports fan, you've never followed women's sports or anything like that, you've heard of Coach Pet Summit and all of her endless accomplishments. Not only was she a great coach, but a role model, a mentor, and someone who was truly beloved for all the things that she did on and off the court. Now, I don't have the words to properly eulogize her, so I'm just going to say thank you. I'm aware of her many accomplishments and definitely am appreciative of it, especially in regards of you know moving the bar forward for women in sports. So thank you, Coach, and uh, we'll just see you on the flip side. You know, you know what? Speaking of, uh, speaking of uh, Coach Summit and tributes, that leads me to one of the games. I just came from the Seattle Storm Atlanta Dream game, and there was definitely a, a very nice tribute to her. And what's even more awesome is that all the players on both teams they either wore orange shoes or orange laces. That really uh, almost choked me up, to be quite honest. Uh, so that was really cool. And there was even uh, a moment at halftime where fans brought posters and wore Tennessee shirts. And they spoke to some of the fans about what she meant to the game and to them personally. And it, that was just very awesome. One of the cool things I learned that's not buried in a Wikipedia page is that 100% of her players graduated. Every single player on one of her teams graduated. I mean, if that's not something to hang your hat on when you're recruiting, I don't know what is. But she, just, just amazing. I don't have the words, so let's just go. Let's just move on to uh, the game. So Atlanta Dream versus the Seattle Storm. I'm gonna be honest with you. I did not think the Storm had the horses to beat the Dream. I just didn't. The Dream came in hot at the beginning of the year winning games on the road, and I just thought they would carry that momentum forward uh, despite some of the losses they've taken recently. However, I should note, Sancho Little was out, and Tiffany Hayes also out. Huge factors. I, I just was not expecting the Storm to come out that strong and play that well. Oh, also out, Markeisha Gatling. And when they mentioned it over the loudspeakers or whatever, there was a reaction from the Storm team. Now, I wasn't close enough to hear what it was, if it was derisive or something funny in support of her, but there was definitely a reaction when it was mentioned that she was not going to play. But moving on, this Storm team actually came out fairly strong, and they pretty much dictate the whole pace of the game for the first half, and the dream were just killed, absolutely killed on the high-low. They just had no answer for it. And this is where Sancho Little comes in a little bit because without her, the dream just seems to fall apart like a house of cards. I just don't know what it is when Sancho Little doesn't play. It's just like the whole team just evaporates and they are less engaged. And the strange thing is, is Sancho Little isn't a big dynamic scorer, but she does do things in the post, in the interior, especially in the defense, and they're missing it right now with the dream. So Seattle dominates the first half with a high-low pick and roll, also on the perimeter, and actually 
Here's the surprising thing. Seattle did a lot of their work in the paint, just going in for the basket and drawing a thousand one. That was a huge reason for why they dominated so much was everyone just took their opportunities in their shots and stepped up. But the biggest star in that whole game was Brianna Stewart, career high of 38 points, six rebounds, and three assists. I, I just gotta say that that girl is just a basketball goddess and a generational talent, hands down rookie of the year, obviously, but wow. Seattle, you should thank your lucky stars to have her. And actually, Drew Lloyd had a somewhat quiet night, only put up seven points, but had some turnovers. And something I noticed about Jewel is that she's kind of prone to turnovers. Sometimes she'll go a little ISO and end up losing the ball somehow, but that needs to be tightened up. But anyway, the Storm did a good job handling the Dream Team for the first half of the game. But in the second half of the game, the Dream made defensive adjustments, obviously. They shut down those lanes and started to claw their way back into some form of being competitive. Actually, the biggest reason was Angel McCautry, who was kind of spotty for most of the game until the third quarter where she just caught fire and had a heat check moment for one into the game. So much so that Seattle just had to throw a double screen on her whenever she hit the ball. Elizabeth Williams for the dream. Also did a relatively decent job in the paint. Uh, did a lot of their scoring uh, on the posts against Brianna Stewart and banged her around. Speaking of which, Stewie needs to uh, work on that post defense. She gets banged around a lot, but I mean, they all come in time, uh, but, but she's not really a physical player anyway, but that's a different topic for uh, next time. I would have liked to have seen uh, Megan Simmons, the rookie for the Dream, come out more. Uh, they brought her in late into the fourth, and after that point, the game was well in hand. Uh, Seattle just caught momentum again after they shut down McCautry. I do like Simmons. I think that she's going to be a, a bigger force for that Dream team going forward. I like what she's doing. She is very fiery. Goes a little bit too hero ball at times, but in this case, I can understand it because they were playing a little bit out of desperation and wanted to try to tie the game. On the Storm side of things, it was another night for the big three, or more like the big two in this situation. Uh, Jewel only put up seven. Uh, Sue put up 12, I believe, and Stewie had the career night, 38 points, which is about 40, 45% of the points for Seattle. Uh, which was cool. Uh, Langhorn, pretty good night as well. And she was actually pretty decent on defense this time. was really impressed by that. Other than that, it was a usual suspect. Clark was very effective. Not so much in scoring, but on defense. Tak was still Tak. Um, I'm, I'm not going to get into that. I've aired my grievances about her. I'm not going to get into that again. Jinohei. Eh. No, well, I'll take that back. I like O'Hay. I just think she needs to capitalize on her opportunities a lot more. So there was an instance in the third or fourth where she was coming in down the transition. And instead of just taking a shot, she just kicks it out. She did take a few shots, but uh, it just takes her a bit too long to actually capitalize on them. But otherwise, I, I mean, I can't complain. This was a great game for them. So kudos to the Storm. I am actually very proud of them. And they stayed competitive. So kudos. So the next game will be against the Dallas Wings. And that high-low approach isn't going to work. Glory Johnson and Courtney Paris will shut that down in 10 seconds. That, that's not going to work on them. I don't know. Seattle's going to have to work on that perimeter defense because Dallas does a good 70% of the damage from the wing via Skylar Diggins and Ariel Powers. 
That should be a good matchup. Home game, so they'll have home court advantage. But, man, but this Atlanta Dream team, um, wow. I've already had a difficult time trying to connect with this team, but it's at the point now where I don't know what to make of them. Just like the Indiana Fever, where I'm not sure if they're a good team who just have off nights, or if they're just a team that can overachieve at times, or maybe I'm just stupid and I don't know anything about basketball. Yeah, that's probably it. I don't know much about basketball. I'm just going off the eye test. But what I'm seeing from the Atlanta Dream, it is not working for me. And it definitely doesn't work when Sancho Little isn't in the mix. So remember when I said that Seattle cut Markeisha Gatling and she was signed by the Atlanta Dream? Well, that's not the only crazy thing that happened this weekend. Now, apparently June 27th was the cutoff for guaranteeing contracts. I'm not sure how that plays into the WNBA official deadline for trades, which is August 30th. But that's neither here nor there. The important thing is there have been a few trades over the past weekend, which were pretty interesting. So I want to talk about some of those trades. All right. So first off, we have Markeisha Gatlin being signed by the Atlanta Dream after being cut by the Seattle Storm. Now, I've gone in on Gatlin more than a few times uh, about some of her shortcomings, and I don't think it's fair to harp on those things anymore. On the bright side, I do think, or I hope anyway, that maybe it's just a situation of her style of play didn't fit with what Seattle wanted to do, and this new change of scenery would be good for I hope that's the case. Having said that, I still don't see how this trade uh, works in Atlanta's favor because Gatlin and Sancho Little, they're just two different types of players. Now, I realize I am working in somewhat of an information deficit. I've only going, I'm only going off uh, the games I've seen her play this year. I haven't seen her play when she was with the Sky or other teams, uh, I, but I just don't see where the fit is here. Maybe they'll put her at the three and make her like a spot-up shooter in the corner. I don't know, but hopefully it'll work out for her. If I had to grade the trade, I am giving this a C- minus for right now. Next up, we have the Seattle Storm, who trade the rights of Angel Robinson to the Phoenix Mercury for Noel Quinn. Now, in order to accommodate this move, they have to cut some people. Those people being Marquisha Gatling who I talked about earlier, but also the rookie Blake Dietrich. And they also re-signed Crystal Thomas. I'll also mention that Quinn and Thomas did play in the game tonight versus the Dream. Quinn, for the most part, was ineffective. I don't mean that in a good way or a bad way. It's just our presence really wasn't felt on the court. And that's just going to be a matter of just learning the offense and just getting familiar with the system and whatnot. Thomas, on the hand, I could see being a nice fit, grabbed a few rebounds, caused a few turnovers. But for the most part, um, it was a very welcome sight to see someone in Seattle rebounding who wasn't Brianna Stewart and overall I think this move for Seattle is um I would give it a C if I had to grade the trade because I don't know I just don't think that they're gonna be good contributors I think they have the liability of becoming just warm bodies on a bench but I hope not if Seattle can keep up this click if they can carry that momentum forward I could see the storm becoming a slightly better team than what they are right now all right, now we come to the big one. 
with the Phoenix Mercury, of course, who have gone to complete let's win this thing right now mode and a trade with the Connecticut Sun. They acquire Kelsey Bone in exchange for the rookie Courtney Williams, the draft rights of Jillian Allen, and a 2017 second round draft pick. That is quite the haul. And you know what? I like this trade. I don't love it, but I like it. And I sort of understand it. Bone would be a nice two-way player that would be able to relieve Tarasi and help out grinding at the interior. She's been pretty effective right now for the Sun. And she is still fairly young. So I like this trade for Phoenix. I still think the Mercury have a lot of chemistry issues they need to fix. And they can hopefully fix it in time. But this is definitely a move with um, Brondello. She, she wants to win this thing. She is not playing around. She wants to get this team back on track. And hopefully add in bone can relieve some of the work that's been placed on Tarashi's shoulders. It's going to be able to help Griner in the post. As for the Connecticut Sun, it's time that we start talking about the Connecticut Sun more. I mean, everyone is just blowing them off as this team that's in a rebuilding phase and they're trying to get the right pieces. But I think they're further along that track than people realize. Uh, they have Agumake, who is pretty much like a sister. Just a, a great player, stretches the full well, gets involved, and is a great shooter. It is just going to be a leader on that team. Morgan Tuck is fitting in nicely. Uh, the both Thomases, Alyssa and Jasmine are doing well. And Bentley is also great. So I like what is happening with the Connecticut Sun right now. And the coach, Kurt Miller, comes from the Brian Agler tree of coaching. So some of those uh, teachings and coaching philosophies are obviously going to spill down and have spilled down if you look at the way they're playing right now. Uh, they're starting to play better, and this is only going to help them. And they're going to be a threat to be reckoned with in a few years. So I like this trade for both teams. Um, I still give this trade a B plus because it hurts both teams, but it also helps them at the same time. All right. Let's get to the game of the week. Minnesota Lynx versus the LA Sparks round two. So I talked about the first game. Very pedestrian. Still a competitive game, but not the best basketball player from either team. Jump a few days later, and this is what we get as a main feast. This is a better played basketball game for both teams. Stayed fairly competitive, and it was pretty much the same elements that I mentioned before. The Lynx came out very methodical, run their sets, very crisp, tight team whereas the Lynx no the Lynx I'm talking about the Sparks really knows how to play small but they did make one adjustment this time the Sparks were very very patient they would pass the ball until they got a nice open look they just wouldn't try to get it to the hole and force it down there and what I mean by that is before they just tried to find the first shot available not necessarily the best shot the first shot but this time, they made sure to pass the ball around. Regardless of how much time was on the clock, they were going to make sure the shot that they took was the right one and not necessarily the first one available, which is actually the problem that the Lynx had is that they tried to play too well for their own good. They would try to force the ball into the lane as opposed to taking an open bank shot in front of them. All right, so let's just say, for example, Wayland brings it up, kicks out to Maya. Maya dumps it to Fowles. Nothing's open, kicks it back to Moore, goes and runs the screen. Maya throws it to the weak side to Waylon, who's run over to the elbow. Waylon doesn't take the shot. It's contested. She dumps it to McCarville. Now, 
Instead of McCarvel just taking the bank shot at the basket, McCarvel would try to do this behind the back pass that they do in drills. The Sparks were all over that and took advantage and just killed them in transition whenever they tried to do things like that. And that is pretty much when the game started to pull away from the Lynx. Plus, their shooting from the field was less than 60. Uh, they couldn't finish it a lane on some shots. But shout out to Christy Tolliver and Neka Agumike again. Neka Agumike, just shy of her standard double-double, put up 29-3. and three. And Christy Tolliver, they should just throw double screens on Christy Tolliver anytime she gets the ball. Shot 15-17, of 17, 88%. Like, I, I, I don't know what you do. Because if you cover them... You still got Candace Parker, who's a monster. Essence Carson is great, and so is Beard. But I'm not going to lie. The Lynx, I still think, are a better team. I like their depth. I like their veteran talent. While the Sparks are a very great team and they play well together, I want to see how they handle adversity. What happens when someone gets injured or if someone is off? I really want to see how they handle adversity. And I don't think they've faced it yet. They've been able to play their own game and dictate each game so far. And I just want to see what happens when they hit a stumbling block, how they handle adversity. But I, I, I can't front. I love the Sparks. I think they're a great team. I congratulate them. I'm happy they won. And the Lynx, sad to see them lose. Really sad to see them lose, but that also is going to lead me to my next point of all these shenanigans that I've been hearing about. There's been some chatter about teams. Uh, so, for example, the Lynx aren't good or they're falling apart because they lost to the Washington Mystics. No, no, they are not. The Lynx are still a great team, if not the best team in this league right now still. Say what you want about the Mystics being a mediocre team but they've actually been playing fairly well right now. And I would dare say punching above their weight in terms of how good they are offensively. For them to come in and beat Minnesota the way they did was kind of a surprise, but it's not. I mean, I think it was a combination of things at play. One, I do think that the Lynx underestimated the Mystics. They believed that they could bring in their B game and still win, and that just wasn't the case. Also, I, I do think their egos were a little bit bruised. I mean, they just got punched in the mouth at home by the Sparks, and, and that's not a good feeling. So, while I understand the loss, I don't think that the Lynx are breaking down in any sort of capacity. If anything, I do think they're going to come out stronger in the next few weeks, tighten some things up after getting some rest. They'll, they'll probably come back to that one spot pretty soon. I'm, I am not worried about that in any way. Uh, speaking of the Washington Mystics, though, shout out to Emma Mieseman. I know I've gone on about Emma Mieseman before. I am probably her biggest fan. I've built the island. I have a house on the island. I put in a fire pit. I'm going to put some solar panels in next week. I am a million percent pot committed to Emma Mieseman. I love what this kid is doing. She's added this little fadeaway jumper into her arsenal of weapons now. Even against the, uh, the Lynx, there was this one point where she was just taking both Fowls and Augustus into the hole with a little nice hook shot. No fear at all. No fear. I, I really just want to see that Russell Westbrook game. I really want to see her destroy a team. I know it's not going to happen, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed. And it's not just her. Taylor Hill has been great. Natasha Cloud, both of them deadly sharpshooters. They're shooting just over 60% from the field. Like I said, Washington is playing really great basketball right now. 
strong contenders in the Eastern Conference. In fact, I bumped them up into my rankings, and we'll talk about that later. But I really like what I'm seeing with this team. Uh, Coach T really has set a fire under them, and they're just going to get better. They are really going to get better going forward. I like this team. Anyway, moving on to the next ridiculous thing I've been hearing over the past weekend. The Phoenix Mercury have found their mojo again. They're back. Just, just stop it, people. No, they are not back in any way, shape, or form. If you take the game versus the New York Liberty, for example, do not believe the hype. The box score is a lie. I watched that game, and New York had that team dead to rights the entire time. The only reason the Liberty lost is because of a ton of bad calls that went against them and literally the last three seconds of the game. But there was at no point where the Liberty were fighting from behind. They dictated the flow of that game from start to finish until the last three seconds where Tarasi goes up for the three and completely flops against Tanisha Wright. I, I swear that there had to be a good foot between them, but she sells it and she sends the game into overtime, which they eventually win because of another floppy bad call. This time on Kia Stokes and Candace Dupree, which led to Kia Stokes being fouled out and the Mercury just go on to win. Uh, now look, I am not saying that as a dig against Tarasi. I think she is a top 10 player in this league. She is great. I just think flopping is beneath great players. They don't need to do it. I hate it when LeBron does it. The number five greatest basketball player of all time. I even hate it when he does it. I just think it's just beneath players. But anyway, whatever. Do your thing. It works. It's just part of the game. So they sold it both times, which led to a win. Make no mistake, they did not find their mojo. This is the same Phoenix Mercury team we've seen since week one. I still do believe this is a championship caliber team, but they are not there yet. I am not seeing it. Oh, but let's hop back to New York really quick. Rebecca Allen. Love what I'm seeing from this kid. Uh, coming back off a knee injury last year. So they're pretty much limiting her minutes. But when she's in, she's been very good at uh, just general instincts, being able to read the court, being a very effective in stretching the floor, playing defense. She does need to develop more of a killer instinct or at least some offensive sensibilities. Uh, there are a couple of times in transition where she just kicks the ball out instead of just finishing to the basket. That's just rookie stuff that she'll learn to grow out of. Anyway, let's just hop to my power rankings. Number one, L.A. Sparks. Look, I love the Lynx, but the record is the record. 14-1, and they are killing teams. Congratulations to L.A. Let's see how far you can take this thing. Number two, the Minnesota Lynx. Still believe that they are the number one team, but I can't put them ahead when they're sitting at 13-2. It just wouldn't be right. Alright, so between LA and Minnesota, you're essentially talking about 1A and 1B between two great teams. And I see them swapping that 1 and 2 spot throughout the rest of the regular season. So at this point, it's really just splitting hairs. Number 3, the New York Liberty. Love this team. Crazy fun to watch. And with this Rebecca Allen kid coming into the mix, they're just adding even more depth to that bench. Number 4, the Washington Mystics. At first, I was scared to rank them this high, but after looking at the games, they definitely deserve it. That startup by was putting up some good work. Even the bench is putting in some good work. They definitely deserve this spot, and I'm so happy for them. 
Number five, the Chicago sky. Now, I'll admit, I do have the sky a bit high, but I put them there because they have some score monsters. They dictate games and they play teams tough. However, they just have this issue of blowing leads late in the fourth and losing games. If they can fix that issue, I'll keep them there. Otherwise, expect them to drop down really, really quickly. Number six, the Dallas Wings. Glory Johnson is in double digits. Skylar Diggins is getting 18, 20 points average for the past three games. Definitely a team that is on the rise. They're finding their feet. They're even getting aerial powers, the rookie involved. And I like what I'm seeing from them. Number seven and eight are pretty much interchangeable. The Atlanta Dream and the Indiana Fever. Two teams I have no idea what to make of. And it's beyond a point of frustration. So I'm just going to move off right now. Number nine, the Phoenix Mercury. Look, talked about them before. Not going to get into it again. I don't think they're back. I need to see it more. I do like the addition of Bone. But again, I need to see it. Otherwise, they're staring right there. Number 10, the Seattle Storm. On a good side, Seattle's actually been winning games and playing slightly better. On a downside, it's still heavy production on the big three of Bird, Lloyd, and Stewart. Until they can start getting that bench involved, they're going to remain in this spot. And they're not even going to make the playoffs. I am still 100% confident of that. Number 11, the Connecticut Sun. The strange thing is the Connecticut Sun are actually starting to play better basketball. Everyone is getting involved. But at the end of the day, it's a young team. They're not going to be a contender anytime soon. However, I would not be surprised if you find them playing for a low seed spot in the playoffs. Could happen. That's all I'm saying. And lastly, the San Antonio Stars. Now, this is a team that is in need of a regime change ASAP. Because I watch these games and they are playing bad basketball. It's almost unwatchable. Players are literally walking up and down the court. And it's sad because Derek Hamby, uh, Mariah Jefferson, K-Mac, they are all great players and they make a huge effort. But it's hard to care and win games when no one else in your team shows up. All right, so that's going to do it for this week. Again, rest in peace to Coach Pat Summit. She'll be truly missed. And uh, we just can't thank her enough. Until then, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, let me know. Because I do take that seriously. And I do want to make this a more enjoyable show for everyone. You can send that feedback to my Twitter, which is WayneMoWilkerson.com or my SoundCloud page. Until next week, be cool to one another and just be awesome.